Hey, it's Brandon of Transforming Workplace. This episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. Zenium is supporting small and medium-sized organizations all over the nation for their payroll processing, human resources, compensation planning and design, training and development, and so much more. Learn more about Zenium at zeniumhr.com. I'm really excited for today's episode. It's with Lacey Partipillo. For you loyal longtime listeners, she was, uh, she's been a returning guest for a long time. She's an internal Zenium leader, and she was my number one guest, my first guest ever on what was at the time called the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. So we're what, 290 episodes deep on Transforming Workplace, but originally it was called HR for Small Business podcast. So Lacey's great. I always get excited when she comes on the podcast. And in this one in particular, I, I loved Lacey attended probably about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, maybe she attended a panel discussion about mental health. And there was three experts on there talking about mental health and how employers should be getting involved. So we talk about on this, what she discovered from that panel event and what some of the main causes of mental health are and what some of the solutions are. And you hear from these experts, which is translated through Lacey about what some of these organizations, these really big, powerful organizations, how they're using their resources to support their people and the employees and, and all that. So you're going to get a lot out of this episode. I love talking about mental health. It's something that I think almost everybody's struggling with or affected by one way or another, whether it's you or a colleague or a family member or something. And this year has been tough. So I'm, I want to keep talking about it. I love hearing about new solutions and ways that we can support our mental health. And particularly when we're talking about transforming workplaces, this goes right at the top of the list because everybody's going through something. And if we can just support our people with mental health and give them the resources and the support and the courage to, to keep going, I, I think we're going to have great workplaces. So I can't wait to hear what you think about the episode. Follow me on Instagram at Laws Brandon, and I'm on Twitter at Brandon Laws, and you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, I've got Lacey Partipillo with me. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast, I think. Um, yes. And just, you don't have to go back to number one episode, but Lacey was the first guest we ever had on Transform Your Workplace. So Lacey, it's so good to have you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. We're talking about mental health today. You attended a workshop, I believe it was last week. And I think there was, if I remember right, three panelists or three speakers who know this area very well. And I, I thought we would talk about what the impact for employers is and what we can do regarding the mental health that people are experiencing and or the unstable mental health or the suffering mental health. I don't you could probably put it in a bunch of different ways, but people are struggling right now <laughs> due to the pandemic. So Let's start out with what's what's the impact right now? How how are people's mental health? If you could just speak generally to it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it probably depends on the individual, right? And, and within the organization and everything's on a spectrum. But what I would say is that there has been a significant shift for the clients that I'm working with, the clients my team's working with. And I think, you know, the organizations that we're supporting are paying more attention to this than they were pre-pandemic. So mental health and, and those issues have been rising and it's been a challenge to for employers to support that i would say over the last like 10 years especially but definitely been an increase um in the last year just given the circumstances that folks are facing i mean from your perspective do you think there are differences with the way people's mental health is by level of like function seniority also size of organization i'm just curious if there's differences based on the, the job that you have and also the organization that you work with them. What have you heard? Gosh, I don't, I don't know that there's anything that, that I could like statistically point out, but what I can tell you just anecdotally and what this, this training that I went to talked about is the challenge for people in leadership positions to be responsible for the productivity and the performance of their people. And if their people aren't doing well, and then they themselves are not doing well, I think that adds an interesting dynamic. So, you know, I would say leaders are probably struggling in that regard. I think when the pandemic started, many leaders had to figure out how to manage remote employees that had never done that before. And that was challenging. Then you add this like additional complex layer where you're managing remote employees who are you know, challenged or struggling with mental health issues, or maybe their family members are. And so that sort of bleeds into the workplace. And then this additional layer where they themselves may be suffering from either things that are, you know, truly diagnosed conditions or just the stress of the pandemic and what that has brought on for them. So I think that is really what's creating something that is ex especially challenging right now. The one of the things that comes up for me, which you alluded to a little bit was, okay, if I'm a manager of people or I lead people and I'm struggling myself, how Am I supposed to care for people who might be also struggling? What's the answer to that? <laughs> I think the answer is like where you, you put the, the oxygen mask on yourself before trying to rescue everyone else. I think there's something to that. I think we have to take care of ourselves. We have to encourage people in, in leadership positions and honestly, really everyone to be practicing good boundary setting to be making sure that they're making time for things that keep them, you know, grounded and um, just feeling good. Things like physical activity and, and taking breaks and, um, you know, balancing the, the needs of their family against the, the demands of the work. So I, I think that there, there is something to that, just like trying to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. Um, I usually tell managers, you know, you're not you're not responsible for the mental health of your employees. You're, you know, in most cases, not someone who is a licensed mental health professional. So trying to encourage leaders to really understand the benefits that the organization offers in, in terms of mental health support and um, encouraging employees to take advantage of that and, and access the resources that are available. The thing that comes to mind for me, because we've been talking about mental health a lot this year specifically but I think there's been a, an upward trend in, in that we're talking about mental health. And I don't know if it's because employers are just wanting to get involved or feel like they should, or if there's some societal thing that's happening. But I'm curious from your perspective, and, and maybe you heard something at this workshop that you attended, 
What are the main causes of these issues that are seen right now? I mean, I, I think we're talking about it as it relates to employers because the lines are super blurry. So things are bleeding. Because of the pandemic and working from home and things like that. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also, you know, it's affecting performance. It's affecting morale. It's affecting the relationships that employees are able to have and maintain with, with their peers. So I think it becomes an employer's sort of issue to, to deal with when it starts affecting productivity and the business. And I think that's why we're talking about it more. I think leaders are suffering too. So those folks can tend to be vocal. They've got access to the highest levels of leadership within the organization. So if I'm, you know, a senior level manager and I, uh, you know, have access to the C-suite within my organization and I'm not doing well, I may be able to share those issues and, and sort of shed light on, on an issue that is, and probably has been impacting, you know, individual contributor employees. I think what you said about productivity might be suffering and that's now why we're wanting to step in and help with mental health. I'm like, it feels like too late at that point. Like we actually cared about our people and we're compassionate and empathetic to what they're going through. And also realize that everybody's going through something and you have no idea what people's home situations are like or what they're going through. And if we cared about all those things, then maybe we could have got in front of this mental health thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And, And one of the things that was interesting in this training, they talked about actually not using productivity as a sign of either wellness or, or not being well, and that the relationships that people have and whether people can be patient and kind and understanding, you know, to all the weird things that happen in the workplace and especially in a remote environment where you have to be flexible. When people aren't able to demonstrate those qualities, that could be a sign, maybe even more than productivity. I think there are people who when they're struggling, they throw themselves into work. That is is a way for people to, I don't know, kind of not think about the issues at hand, not focus on maybe some of the more pressing challenges that they're facing. And so I don't know that it's a one size fits all. I think we talk about this all the time. I feel like every podcast that I do with you, we talk about one-on-ones, but managers having regular one-on-ones with employees is a way to really understand what's going on and you know, we're not talking about, you know, having your employee sit down on a leather couch and pour their heart out. But I think it's important that we're connected and that we understand what's challenging them and how that's impacting the work and the workplace too. I'd argue that some people probably need to sit on a leather couch and pour their heart out. I mean, that would probably be helpful just as much as a one-on-one would be. I think so. So I'm curious. I mean, we talk about there's, there's a lot of people out there that'll, that'll say like, I'm burned out or I'm stressed out or all these like anecdotal things. But I'm curious if there's a way to either most of these that when people say that they're, it's a non-diagnosed, non-clinical statement, right? They're just saying like, I'm burned out or I'm stressed out. So you can't, you also can't dismiss what they're feeling either. So I'm curious, I mean, productivity was the measure we talked about, but are there other ways to measure levels of burnout? or stress or, or mental health suffering? I think so. So some, some of those things that I mentioned, just like the qualitative ways that employees show up with one another, I think engagement, you know, employees who have been pretty actively engaged and participating in things when they stop going to the happy hours, when they stop participating in book club, you know, that type of stuff. They start distancing themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that can be a sign of, of burnout. I mean, employees who, who actually say, I can't do this anymore or start, you know, dropping the ball in certain areas or not being 
you know, able to volunteer for task forces and, and things like that. But it isn't one size fits all because, again, there are people who are going to, even when they're burnt out, continue on. And obviously, as a leader, I mean, it, it's our job to be paying attention to that and to help employees to maybe see when things are, are going sideways and when they need to, you know, take some time off. That's another thing that I think contributes to to this burnout issue is people not using their vacation or pay time off benefits because there's nothing to do. I can't go anywhere. I can't plan a vacation. And so people are, are saving that up that, you know, thinking we'll do something this year, but I really think, and I'm, I'm not setting a great example of this myself, but like taking regular time off, I think it's important. I think really stepping away and I'm not talking about long weekends. I mean, that that's great. But for many people, really the ability to, to like decompress and, and recharge that needs to happen by being dis- disconnected for more than, you know, one or two business days. Do you think organizations are well positioned to fix some of these issues or, or at least support them? Cause I'm curious if this is, again, we go, we talked about productivity and how that's when it becomes an employer thing. Right. But this is also an individual thing as well. Like people need to recognize when they're suffering and seek help and external resources and things like that. But how much do they lean on their employer to, to su- for support in this area? Mm-hmm. I think some employees are going to expect their employer to be paying attention and to be providing resources. And I think there are some businesses that are pretty well positioned for this that have had robust health plans that have, you know, have that added layer with an employee assistance program. I don't think all employers are in a really good spot though. I think the cost of insurance has increased for businesses and the ability to offer really rich plans has become more and more challenging. And so things, you know, as you're, you know, kind of picking and choosing, how do we create a plan that's going to work? There are things that get removed or deductibles that get increased and that can have an impact on, you know, the benefits that are available to employees. So there's some cool stuff that some of the organizations that they reference in this training are doing. They're expensive. I mean, these are large groups like the MBA, for example. So I don't think that it's fair to say an employer you know, of 50 employees should be able to do something like that. But offering some kind of you know, plan that at least has access to these benefits and educating employees about them, I think is a good step in the right direction. Yeah, the thing that comes to mind is like, what resources are available for employees? Like if if one of your clients came to you and said, Lacey, I'm really concerned about my workforce. I care about my people. I want to support their mental health. Can I have some ideas about how to support them? Like, what would you say? Gosh, probably I'd ask a lot of questions, but the things that come to mind would be, you know, let's look at the health plan. Let's look at what you're already paying for. Before we think about adding a whole bunch of stuff, let's see what's available. So is mental health covered on the the regular medical plan? Do you have an employee assistance program? If you do, what's available? How many sessions do employees get? Sometimes through those EAPs, there are trainings that are available to employees by licensed mental health professionals. So could be training on burnout or stress or compassion fatigue. I mean, the the list goes on. So trying to figure out, are these things already included? And if not, what's the cost? We implement something like that. Training managers on how to be effective leaders too. Like you don't think that those things are really correlated together, but I think that there's a connection between the leadership that an employee receives and, you know, the information that they're willing to share in terms of how they're doing early on. So there's some type of like early intervention before the employee 
is having performance issues and we're, we're managing that from sort of a disciplinary perspective. I think those would be the things that, that sort of initially come to mind. Well, that's what I was saying. Like once you get to the productivity stuff, it's like so far down the road. It's like, if you could work together and have those, those open and honest one-on-ones that I feel like you could figure this out in advance and provide the resources and guidance. I think you can. I think people have to be willing to take the guidance and the feedback and the resources too. So it's, it goes both ways. You know, not everybody is willing to, to access those kinds of benefits for a lot of reasons. They talked a lot in the training about just the stigma that's associated with mental health issues and the high percentage of people that actually have them or know people that have them. It's like 25% of people will at some point suffer from some type of mental health issue in the, in their lifetime. So that's pretty high, but there's still a stigma behind it. So trying to, you know, help employees see, Hey, look, you know, there, this is not an abnormal thing. This is why we have these benefits in place, kind of encouraging them to do it. But at the end of the day, sometimes it does come down to managing performance and, you know, employees understanding the impact that, that whatever they have going on personally is having on the workplace too. If that same employer came to you and said like, hey, you know, we've exhausted the resources that our health plan has and EAP and all of those things, but I want to be able to provide some individual tools that people can use, whether it's like subscribing to Calm app or Headspace or any of those things that like they can do on their own in practice, like what, what comes to mind for you? Those apps are great. I think the thing that popped up as you were asking me that question for me is role modeling. So I think that's where there is a disconnect and you're smiling because we, you and I, I think have even talked about this, just, you know, how important it is for individual contributors to see that their leaders are walking the talk, doing the things that they're encouraging employees to do, being a little bit vulnerable and, and transparent about that, I think goes a long way. So you know, it's, it's like putting all of this stuff together and, and educating employees about it. And then also being the, the role model and, you know, not sending the emails at 10 o'clock at night to employees that have expressed challenges with boundary setting. It seems like it's like, gosh, that seems so obvious. Yeah, of course. Why would you do that? But we just get into like the motions and people, a lot of people are overworked and they have a lot on their plate and that doesn't seem to be changing. I don't think with most of the businesses that I'm talking with, they're doing the same amount of work, maybe even with less people because of the challenges that the pandemic has, has created. So it's little stuff like that, little, little tweaks, some mindfulness, I think for, for leaders, I think would go a long way. Yeah. You talked earlier about like one of the main causes of this, this whole issue is like boundaries because they're so blurred. So this weekend, for example, I mean, we, t- you talk about like modeling it. I was home all weekend and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I could, I'm bored and I can sneak into my office. And so I worked for, you know, several hours and I just kind of got sucked in. And then on the back end of that, then you're not refreshed. You didn't take that time to disconnect and I'm not better for it. You know, it probably affected me negatively. I'm sure in the moment I didn't think, think twice about it though. You and I even talked about it last week where you were like, I think I might even do this. Uh, It might set me up to feel better about going into, to Monday. So I think there's a balance. I don't think it's possible to say you have to have a boundary. Everybody's done at five o'clock. Like, I don't know that that works, but providing some flexibility so people can flex schedules where, where they can, if they're remote. I mean, we haven't really talked about the, there are still challenges 
for people who are going into the office or people who are in manufacturing jobs or positions where they can't do their work from home. So they don't have the, it's not necessarily the same type of boundary issues, but maybe they have a spouse who is working from home and that creates an interesting dynamic and you add childcare issues onto it. So it's just the like burden of like being a human right now and just surviving, I think layered with the extra burden of work that's where this stuff just, it becomes almost unbearable for some people. But yeah, I don't think that working for a few hours on the weekend, if it's not necessary, is is a great, great plan for having boundaries. Yeah, right, right. Well, and it's all like your point about just everything's really heavy right now. It's like the combination of you got work and you're working from home and the blurred lines. And then you got for us who are, who are parents, you're dealing with childcare or you're dealing with school and all these other life things that happen anyways, or anxiety about possibly getting sick or like, there's just all this stuff that is contributing. It's probably not one thing. It's a bunch of different things. And there's a lot of work to be done here. Mm -hmm. I feel like as a manager, it can feel overwhelming when you really care about your employees and you see that they're not doing well, or you're the leader of an organization and you feel this incredible weight to have people keep their jobs, keep the lights on, the organization may be struggling, your people are struggling, and just everybody has heavy stuff on their shoulders right now. And so all the more reason, you know, seems silly, but to be kind, to be understanding, extend some grace to people. You don't know what they're going through right now. And I think we could step into something inadvertently just because of that, because we don't know. When you attended the workshop a week or so ago, there was an organization doing some pretty innovative stuff. There's a speaker named Jamila Weidman. She's the... The senior vice president of player development for the NBA. Yeah. So Jamila is the senior VP of player development in the NBA. So National Basketball Association. So they tons of resources, right? And you're, you're talking about a, a league that is making a ton of money. And so they can dedicate these resources because the product is the people that are on TV and, and all that. So this is an organization doing some pretty innovative stuff. What were some of the unique things that Jamila said about what they're doing from a mental health standpoint? Sure. She talked about, you know, having mental health professionals on staff. So I think that is an interesting concept. So, and, and I wonder how, willing people who work within the organization would be to access somebody who, you know, it's one thing when someone's seeing that uh, individual, but I think that's interesting. And it just goes back to like making those services more accessible, more readily accessible. Something that I think is interesting that I actually think could relate to smaller organizations is having a mental health emergency plan. And this does come up in small businesses. So if you've got someone who's in crisis and that happens um, in the workplace where they're having a mental health emergency, you know, it's something that's like there's stigma. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to use scary words like suicide and, and things like that in the workplace. It's, it's heavy. It feels almost like too much to handle, especially for, you know, our frontline managers. But if we don't talk about that, if we don't equip them with, with tools and resources and a plan for what do I do in the event that this comes up in a conversation with my employee, or maybe there's some request or, or a promise of confidentiality where that information is shared in a one-on-one, you know, making sure managers know what stuff rises to the level of like confidentiality, confidentiality doesn't apply here. We, I actually need to 
like raise my hand and say, Hey, I need some help from HR. I can tell you, I mean, in my career, more times than I can count has this come up for clients that I've worked with where there's been that kind of crisis. And we've worked with clients on creating training and and tools for managers on what, what to do, who to call, how to support the employee in the moment. So I think having a plan like that in place is important, even though it's like the it's like fire drills. Is the building ever going to catch on fire? Probably not. But if we don't train for it, the it could be catastrophic if um, it were to happen and, and we didn't ensure people were prepared. I'll be curious about what happens when workforces who've been mostly work from home start heading back. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you expect people to be struggling even more when they go back? I mean, I, I expect some social anxiety and other other things like that will pop up and just going back, maybe fear, anxiety, all those things about returning to work. What do you you think is going to happen there? I think the, the amount of employee relations issues that will surface is, is I think it will be an incredible amount of support that is needed from HR professionals within organizations. I think, you know, there's going to be some people who are super excited. They're like chomping at the bit to get back into the office. There are other people who don't want to, who are happy to stay home. Then there's the people in the middle who want some kind of hybrid. But I think regardless of whether you want to be there or you you don't, the intricacies that are going to happen where people aren't used to interacting face-to-face with one another, like, you know, it's awkward when you're like, even when you go into the office and you see somebody, you're just grabbing a notebook or something. It's like, yeah, I don't know how to interact with people. So I think that's going to change. I think the ability to multitask on, you know, the Zoom calls that people have, you're not going to be able to do that in person meetings. And what kind of stress is that going to create not being able, you know, to produce as much because you're in a meeting? Oh, I don't even think about yeah. that. Yeah. And I mean, let's, that's the truth, right? People are multitasking. That's what's happening. And the, the other thing I think about is this dynamic of a hybrid workforce, people in office, people from home, the challenges that it's going to present to HR professionals to get people together, to pay attention to morale. You know, if managers are managing both, if I have to manage remote and in-person employees and be equitable and fair, how do I do that? How do I keep people connected? How do we collaborate? Like we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of the logistics of what this is going to take. Employers should be planning for that. Like right now, even if you don't have plans to go back into the office until Q3 or Q4, we need to be talking about this right now. Because if you remember, we like flipped the switch and all went remote. We didn't have time to plan. Most of us, many businesses didn't even have the technology to support it and had to do it quickly. So we have time now. There's there's really no excuse and there are resources out there to support businesses to kind of get through this. But I'd say have really great HR people on staff, you know, make sure that that they're taking training and they are preparing themselves to support with all of the, the employee relations challenges that I think will present. Let's end on a on a more positive note or, or a future state that we'd like to get to. So if our if mental health is strong amongst our people what could we expect out of the workforce? What could we expect out of the behaviors from employees? What is what is the look and feel of the organization when everybody is feeling good? I think the organization is resilient. So as challenges are presented, employees work together to solve those. People are solution-oriented. They're 
empathetic and encouraging of one another kind of seems a little bit utopian to think about. But I think if, if we had great resiliency skills and, and coping skills and we train our employees and leaders to do that, whatever challenges present themselves will be something that the, the teams are equipped to handle and happy employees are productive employees. So that's that's just the truth of it. And so the business would be more profitable, growth-oriented. All, all the good things will happen. Well, Lacey, thanks for coming on the podcast to talk about this. Very interesting stuff. I mean, if people want to learn more about what you just had, had gone to at the workshop or any other things regarding this, I mean, I assume a lot of HR professionals or people leaders are listening to this. So, I mean, if they're trying to find the resources and the tips to help their people because they want to help. They want to, they want what you just described, which is the people are happy, healthy, engaged, productive, all those things. They want to get there. Where should they even start? There's a lot of great resources out there online, more than have been there before. I'm happy to connect with anybody on LinkedIn too. So reach out and would love to start a conversation in that community too. Just sharing ideas think we've got some cool remote stuff on our website too and we're going to continue to add content around that as our clients um, move back to some kind of in-person or hybrid model awesome Lacey part of pillow thanks for joining the podcast today thanks for having me 